I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. This is Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, where Paul writes, So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming to those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this opportunity to study it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus Christ, amen. It's World Communion Sunday. What a, a beautiful Sunday to think of the world, the body of Christ, people from all places, coming together in holy communion. And yet at the same time, I wrestle with what I see in the news, what I see happening in our world, and I'm thinking, holy communion? Wouldn't it be great to be able to experience holy communion, a holy common union? 
There seems to be so much turmoil in our world today, so much hatred in our world today, people looking at each other differently today, people despising their neighbor rather than maybe loving their neighbor as God has called us and Christ to do. It's a challenging day, and yet it's World Communion Sunday. How do we, as the people of God, how do we, as the people of our world, across our world, the people whom God so loved, how can we come together to be the people that God is calling us to be? Paul is writing a letter to the Colossians. And in this letter, as I was studying the scripture, I heard Paul saying, you need to rise above this. You need to, to be careful to rise above it in Christ, not get dragged down into it. There, there's so much muck and mire and mud that's going on in our world today. And, and Paul begins to remind us as the church we're part of a higher kingdom, not to get so engrossed in that, trapped in that, that it becomes part of who we are again, but rather since we are the church, since we are Christians, disciples of Jesus Christ, called apart people as the church, our focus is to transcend, to transcend the things that happen around us so that then as the church, we might transform it. We're called to transcend the things that are happening in the world around us so that in the name of and on behalf of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we might be used as vessels to help transform it. So Paul says, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things that are above. We can look around and complain that other people are focused here and there and hear these things. You can only control you at this point. So set your mind, set my mind, set our minds on the things that are above. Not the things that are on earth, because he said that was, that was your former life. You're different now. In the New Interpreter Study Bible, it says that the Colossians are to live now as if they are already in heaven, because in effect, they are with Christ, who is in heaven. Ralph Martin, in his commentary on Colossians, says that Paul is referring here to the pre- and post-conversion days. In the pre-days, before we had offered our lives to God, you were stuck in this mud and mire and muck. But now you're different. Now you're a new creation. You're a, a new person. So Paul is saying, how do we transform these things? Well, look at the list. He says, first of all, if we want to see the world transformed, we have to look at ourselves to look at what's going on inside of us. And he lays out issues that we tend to deal with, our own personal sins and the things in our life that we need to straighten out. Before we can pray that the world is straightened out, what about us? So he talks about fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed. When I lived up 
in the Cherokee area in a beautiful little town called Whittier. I was serving a church there, and there was a member of the church whose name was Emerson, Emerson Cathy, and he had this amazing gift of prayer, as I've shared with you before. One of the things I loved about Emerson, he was one of the lay people in the church. He was a builder, a carpenter, a finished carpenter in the church. One of the things I loved about him was that he had the spiritual gift of prayer, but before he would start praying for someone else, he would first spend intimate time with God praying for himself. He shared with me as I was asking him, hey, how do you pray like you do? Teach me to pray like you pray. He said, we often just jump in pointing at others, but the first thing I do is ask God to cleanse me, to forgive me, to allow me to become a vessel through which God may be able to make a difference in the lives of someone else. So he said, before I pray for my neighbor, I first ask God to cleanse me so that now I can pray for my neighbor and be used by our God. So Paul's saying as you rise above this, as we seek to change the world around us, then the first thing we do is examine ourselves and recognize that's who we were. Who is God calling us to be now? And then Paul says, and as we look at not only what's deep inside, but, but what about how we then treat others? What are our, our sins against others and the things that we are doing to others? And, and he names things like anger, wrath, malice, slander. See, the great commandments that Jesus gave us, that we love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and our mind, love God with everything we have, but then we're called to love our neighbor. But how is anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language, loving our neighbor? I mean, these are sins of speech. How do we refer to other people? How do we speak of other people? How do we even speak of our enemy? You know, we're called to love our enemies as well. And yet, how do we as Christians refer to those with whom we disagree? So Paul says, to have this unity, we have to transcend. But in order for us to transcend and come out of it, we have to recognize this is who I used to be. But who am I being called to be now? And one of the things I've often thought about is if Jesus sent many of us friend requests to be part of our social media, what would we need to go change quickly before we let him in? But then if he already sees it, what does that say about us that we would want to hide what we say from Jesus before he sees it? Paul said, don't, don't allow others to drag you back down. Don't allow yourself to be brought back down into the mud and the muck and the mire, but transcend and set your mind, set your heart, set your eyes on the fact that you're part of a kingdom that is bigger than just what you see around you today. So Paul says, take those garments off. Take those clothes off. Do away with those things because they're covered in that stuff. 
but instead become a new person. During this whole COVID pandemic, as many of you have probably noticed, it's been kind of hard at times when you come in at the end of the day, end of the evening, it's late at night, you just kind of want to rest and unwind a little bit and turn on the TV and see something. Well, one of the shows that I have grew up watching and that I love to still watch is the Andy Griffith show. I know I'm dating myself a little bit, but even my kids watched Andy Griffith because they didn't have a choice. I had the remote. But the Andy Griffith show is, is kind of a neat show, and there's one called Opie's Charity. And it, it's one of my favorite because of the conversation between Andy and Opie. But the other thing that happens is there's a man by the name of Tom Silby that comes back to Mayberry. And he runs into Sheriff Andy Taylor, who's played by Andy Griffith. And Andy looks at him and said, well, Tom Silby, I haven't seen you since your funeral. See, everybody thought Tom Silby was dead. They even had a funeral for him. And the reason for that was Tom had a major drinking problem. And in a small town like Mayberry, everybody knows everybody else's business. And not only did he have a drinking problem, but finally one day he, he just left. And he left his wife there in the town by herself. And Miss Annabelle could not stand the thoughts that people in Mayberry knew that her husband had a major problem drinking and that he had left her and gone away. So Miss Annabelle, she kind of made up this whole story that Tom had gone to Charlottesville, got hit by a car and died. And so she put on a whole funeral, rather than admitting that he was just gone, they buried him. They had the funeral with all the town people that were there. Quartet from the town had come to sing there at his funeral. He was dead and buried, had a gravestone. He was gone. But then, unexpectedly, Tom Silby came back. But only the man that came back was a different man. In his conversation with Sheriff Taylor before he then goes to see his wife Annabelle, he explains, I'm not that guy anymore. I don't drink anymore. I don't need that anymore. I don't have to have that to get through life anymore. And he explains he's just a different kind of guy. At the end of the show... Andy and Tom are sitting there on a bench in one of the downtown streets. And Tom Silby said, yeah, this morning Annabelle went back over there to the cemetery to see where I'm buried. And Andy Griffith, the sheriff, Andy Taylor, he says, Tom, you sound like you're beginning to believe you really are buried over there. And Tom Silby says, well, that's the thing. The old Tom is. That's kind of what Paul is saying to us in the letter to the Colossians is there's an old self that needs to be buried and set aside so that the new self can be who God has made us be. He goes, you're, you're You've been made in Christ. You're no longer Jew and Greek, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. Christ is all and in all, and that's who you're, you are. You're part of a kingdom now that transcends the stuff we see around us. Doesn't mean we're called out of it, but we're to transcend beyond it 
so that we can then be a part of transforming it. Paul goes, put on new clothes as God's chosen ones, as the people of God, you are called to be holy and beloved. You're called to be different. So he said, so clothe yourselves, put on this new clothes, this new garment that's not been in the muck and the mire and the mud, but put on these new clothes of compassion. Want to change the world? It might start with us when we're clothed with compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. He said, if you want to transform and transcend, then the way you do that as well as bear with one another, don't write someone off just because they did something to you to offend you or they disagree with you. We're in a cancel culture today. You disagree with me today, you're dead to me. Paul said, that's not who we are. Bear with one another. Bear with one another. You don't write each other off, but you learn to forgive each other. And then he reminds us what we prayed in the Lord's Prayer as well. Just as the Lord has forgiven us, we're called to forgive. He said, clothe yourselves in love. Loving God, loving one another, as we said, are the great commandments. And, and Paul says, this is what binds everything together in perfect harmony. If we want to see unity in our world and holy communion, a holy communion, a God-inspired, Holy Spirit-bathed communion, it'll be when we learn to love one another so that we can be an example to the world of how to love one another. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching each other, admonishing each other in, in holy and spiritual wisdom, singing praise to God, worshiping God. But he said, whatever you do, whatever it is, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father through Him. See, we're called to be different. It's easy for us to look at the world and go, I wish it was a better place. But Paul reminds us part of making it a better place relies on us. We want to experience holy communion. Well, that, that's when we examine ourselves what is it in my life that needs to be cleansed so that God can now use us? What is my relationship like with other people around me? How do I speak of others? And can I take off? Am I willing to take off the old life, the old clothes, and come out of the mire and the muck and the mud to transcend it so we can help transform it? and be the people that God is calling us to be. It's World Communion Sunday. It's the Sunday where we join together with brothers and sisters around the world to come to the table as the church. I, I pray that this will become more than a symbolic day. On this day, we act like we get along. Maybe this can be the beginning of the kingdom of God, the taste of the kingdom of God, 
where we as the church truly can learn to be that example to love, that if we can transcend and transform, maybe we can make a difference in our world. Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like precious oil on the head running down upon the beard on the beard of Aaron running down over the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, the mountain in the northern part, which falls on the mountains of Zion, the mountain in the lower part of Israel. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore.